She is she on something? The dogs are. <laughs> no, not yet, not yet. I'll save that for later. I gave my regular Xanax to my dogs so they'd shut the fuck up. <laughs> California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC box set rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens, episode number five, presented by Nissan. That's not true. I don't know why I said that. I just watched a lot of commercials <laughs> this weekend. No, uh, I know exactly why. It's because we've all been seeing the commercials and they're acting like it's a totally normal thing to surprise your spouse with three matching cars. That's GMC. They are not sponsoring us, but Nissan could. But GMC could as well. Get at us. Holler at us. Email us. Coenspod at gmail.com. Uh, I would like to begin this episode by saying happy holidays and hello to you, Chelsea Trinidad. How you guys doing? Merry Christmas. I am doing well. Thank you for asking. I would also like to say <laughs> happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and hello to Dylan Irwin. Well, hey, Ryan Atwood Drake. How are you doing? Are you going to give me a pass this episode to say Christmas? Because in the last episode, you said oh, are they going to be like to say, say like some racist Jewish shit or something? <laughs> Today is our special <laughs> uh, holiday edition of keeping up with the Coens. Uh, we are doing just two episodes today, two episodes of the OC. Uh, we are doing the Christmas episode and the New Year's episode of season one. Fun fact, the New Year's episode is my favorite episode of the OC of all time. I just rewatched it for this like an hour ago and I was reminded, I was reminded why it's just one of the greats. It's, it's my favorite episode of all time too. And I have a theory on why that we'll get to. Oh my God, Chelsea, we have all the same like favorites dylan's kind of the outcast here but yeah I know. Um, i'm the third wheel you truly are you are the, i remember i said you're the oliver trask to my ryan and marissa way early on and <laughs> here you are yeah but yeah and i i accept that now because i would rather be oliver trask than anna after we saw her feet on thanksgiving so <laughs> <laughs> it also works out because uh dylan's favorite episode is chrismica right yes yes actually it's kind of a general, my favorite episode of the OC is if you mush all of the Chrismica episodes together into one like three and a half hour episode of the OC, then that's my favorite episode of the OC. Actually, okay, I'm glad you said this. Uh, we, we have a little bit of extra time here. If you want to fast forward when we get into the episode, just do that. Um, but I will say that like when we get into seasons two and three, I kind of remember season two Christmas was, was one with Lindsay. Three, I really don't remember at all. Four, I remember vividly. Season four, Chrismica, is one of my favorite episodes of the OC. It's by far the weirdest episode they've ever done. Um, <laughs> but I just fucking love, I fucking love how weird season four is. And I cannot wait till we get into it because I secretly think it's maybe the second best season of the show. I, I love it too. And that's weird because I just watched season three and I cannot for the life of me remember anything that happens on Chrismica. I felt like it was kind of thrown oh. to the wayside. It was just kind of like, hey, it's Chrismica, but also there's all these other things going on that don't really involve Chrismica. Wait a minute. Don't they throw Ryan a bar mitzvah or something like that? The Chrismica or bar mitzvah, I think, is the third season episode. Well, no wonder we didn't associate it. Yeah, we didn't associate it with Christmas because it's, it was a birthday party. They get they, they kind of go downhill until... Uh, 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 you get to season four and it ramps way back up. I love that episode. I, I've never said, I don't think I've ever told you guys this, but my favorite character in all of the OC in every, in the entire series, my favorite character on the series is Taylor Townsend. Oh, you have. Taylor's awesome. I can believe that. I'm going to confess. I'm going to confess something. And it's a Jewish point of order that I need to know about in order to fully understand sure. this show. 
So if you notice, Chelsea was describing a bar mitzvah as a birthday. And for some reason, I thought that a bar mitzvah and a birthday were completely separate events. It's your 13th birthday. It's your third. So your 13th birthday. Usually. I mean, you can do it. I've had like 12 bar mitzvahs by, by my count. But um, <laughs> technically, it's supposed to be like the, your 13th birthday as a bat, a bat mitzvah or a bar mitzvah. If you've had 12 bar mitzvahs, doesn't that technically mean Jewishly you're 156 years old? Uh, Jewishly, I am a lot of things, but yes. <laughs> Ryan comes of age a lot. <laughs> that sounds gross. Okay. Um, <laughs> throughout my throughout most of my 20s, whenever I would throw myself birthday parties, I would always just label it my bar mitzvah, even though it clearly wasn't. But yeah. I feel like I went to one of these at like Speakeasy. Like you were like, I'm a DJ and I'm going to throw myself a birthday party. And I was like, okay, I'm down. I'm pretty sure I went yeah, to No, that's why I call it. That's, that's why I used to call them bar mitzvahs because now 2020 is the first year I wasn't able to do it because I had always just throw big birthday parties and charge my friends to come to them and just make a ton of money, which is the most Jewish thing about me probably. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, bar, bar mitzvah in Hebrew, doesn't it mean son of the commandment? And so at for your bar mitzvah, you are just commanding your friends to come to the speakeasy. I think that fits with, exactly right. with the whole idea. Oh yeah, I was going to say, he's clearly Googling. Oh, I was like, you know an awful lot about this. <laughs> Dylan, you'd be my lifeline if I went on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, because I know you got those quick those quick trigger fingers. I'm a cheater. That's right. Um, so before we get into these holiday episodes, I just want to kind of address what I believe to be the elephant in the room. And it is a gift, a holiday gift that was given to us, to Dylan and I, oh. on, on Wednesday, on the day our podcast launched. Oh, Chelsea yeah. gift wrapped us something for us that I will never get over. Uh, Dylan, why don't you take it? Why don't you tell the people what happened? Oh my gosh. So um, as uh, with, I'm sure, most of our listenership, I am a really big fan of Kids Bop um, because <laughs> I don't like cursing and violence and stuff like that in my language or my music. I like for it to be stuff that I can uh, listen to uh, wherever I am at full volume uh, on my boombox over my shoulder. So I listened to a lot of Kids Bop growing up. One of my favorite Kids Bop records of all time, uh, this isn't a joke or maybe it is, I don't know, is Kids Bop 4. It had Obviously. some of the best music. It had um, uh, Bring Me Back to Life, the Evanescence song. Uh, you've already you've, you've already struck a chord with me because I have, first of all, I have the track list in front of me. I can help you in any way. Um, but secondly, I used to host a, a weekly trivia night. And as a joke, I used to play different Kids Bop songs because some of them are hilarious. <laughs> some re- somehow I missed, somehow I missed this Evanescence bring me back to life version of kids Bob because I heard it the other day when we were talking about this and it, I fucking lost it. I laughed so hard. It is incredible stuff. I'll put a clip of it in the episode because it's just great. So, so, so the question is, if I love Kids Bop 4 this much, if Ryan loves Kids, Kids Bop 4 this much, what could make us love it even more? And that is because mm-hmm. before she was Chelsea Trinidad, a, a young woman named Chelsea Kaywood was way too old <laughs> to be on a Kids Bop 4 ad, but she was on a Kids Bop 4 ad. A commercial, an actual commercial, a television commercial, not like an ad that you see on a website in yeah. 2020, an actual television <laughs> commercial in 2003 when they were still very relevant. Yes, yes, it's true. We'll post a link to it on our socials. But as of right now, I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're driving. I don't care what you're doing. I want you to stand up and give Chelsea a round of applause. So thank you. 
Oh my goodness. Okay, backstory. Uh, this was maybe 2002. To, it could have been 2003. That would have been real crazy. It was 2003. Oh, you're kidding me. The album came out in 2003. Also, it's I'm shocked that we didn't know this about you. I, I am too, because I've talked about it a lot. I talk about it all the time. On Twitter. Well, it, it was a very like Robin Sparkles moment for me. Um, <laughs> I, I milked the shit out of it in eighth grade. This is when it happened. I filmed it between seventh and eighth grade. I remember being kind of awkward because I'm definitely way too old to be in this. I mean, I'm 13 or 14 and all the other kids are like seven. But whatever, I guess they wanted kind of like an older big sister type to be in it. My little sister was in it too. But I, I remember filming it. And like I said, it was a summer between seventh and eighth grade. And I actually had some guy that I was talking to. And I remember meeting him at the movies later that day and going to see Fast and Furious 2. Too Fast, Too Furious. Hang on. Let me stop you. I know where this, I know where this is going, but I want to preface, but give me, just give the quick kind of, um, what are you doing in the commercial? Like you, you're like a dancer, right? Yeah. So like we acted out scenes, like whenever, you know, the Evanescence, wake me up inside. Literally it was, it was asleep <laughs> in a sleeping bag that we were trying to wake up. <laughs> that was one of the scenes. Um, they, they did all anything from simple plan and we're like hula hooping and catching a football and that kind of thing. Uh, there's another scene, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, the Santana and Michelle branch song. And we literally have giant salt and pepper mm-hmm. shakers that were shaking into a bowl of popcorn. Like they took the lyrics very, very seriously. And you got to think about it. It's okay. kids bop. Um, personally, I was a little upset. My favorite kids bop cover De- definitely pony um my neck my back that's another great kids bop uh they did my neck my back <laughs> no i'm bullshitting you but that would be fantastic oh I mean, okay i was i was like well no they've done some weird ones they my favorite one they've done is uh thrift store by macklemore that's a great kids bop cover about some clothes from the thrift shop ice on the fringe it's so so frosty the people like hey the guy on the marquee rolling in super deep head into the mezzanine dressed in all pink <laughs> <laughs> weren't we discussing what the lyrics would be for WAP whenever they finally put that on kids Bop? like being good gonna munch up on these fruits and veggies oh yeah kids WAP. no dylan wrote like it an entire up. verse <laughs> oh yeah mm-hmm. it was all it was all about eating healthy Eat, my, eat some fruits and veggies. Yeah. Getting strong because I'm eating all my fruits and veggies. So wait, Chelsea, when you were filming this, was it in Oklahoma? Yeah, I was in Tulsa. Um, there's actually yeah. two other uh, girls in it that would soon become um, Miss Oklahoma's. And they were high ranking at the Miss America thing. So I think that was pretty cool. I mean, maybe there was some star power. I don't know. Miss Oklahoma, almost winner. Miss Oklahoma, almost winner of Miss America. And then Chelsea K. Wood. Co-host of Keeping Up with the Coens. That's right. Very middling um, rising star on TikTok. As of the moment of this recording, you are still listed on the notable Kids Bop alumni section of the Wikipedia page for Kids Bop. So that has not yet (laughs) been taken down. Thank God. We need to add a citation so it looks legit. Can we like link to the podcast? Yes. We'll link to this episode. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a backlinks really really link up the SEO. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll be perfect. Um, to, to finish the story I was telling later, which my parents, my parents are totally going to kill me when they hear this, but I'm talking to a dude. I'm, I'm like, you know, 14 or whatever. 
I, we went and saw Too Fast, Too Furious. It's a horny movie. I understand. It, we were getting kind of horned up in there. I mean, I think that Ryan can, you know, <laughs> relate as well. Ooh. To getting horned up over Vin Diesel. That's right. <laughs> I think I might have, like, Fair. poked the guy's dick, like, through his jeans. Like, there nothing was ever exposed it was first of all the way you described it to us was like you touched it like it was like a fun like second base thing the way you just described it was like poked it through his jeans (laughs) well i didn't know what i was doing i was 14 i was like interested but not fully like willing to commit so i'm sure it was the ultimate tease i'm sure Sure. he like tried to go up my shirt and i probably just stopped him or giggled until he stopped thinks about it every day I know, he's probably like, oh, man. I almost hooked up with the kid's bop chick in Too Fast, Too Furious. Like, how how <laughs> yeah, awkward. Yeah. It was a national commercial, though. Like, my friend, like, vacationed in Hawaii and called me on her parent's cell phone. It was like, I just saw your commercial. Like, I'm at the St. Regis in Honolulu. Like, that was crazy. But to finish the story, I, uh, you know, I went, I kind of enjoyed it. That eighth grade year, it made me a star. That was really cool. Uh, forgot about it all through high school. You know, Jinx, you're kind of with all, everyone in your class at that point. But then I went to college and it became a really big novelty. So I'm kind of surprised that you didn't know about this, Dylan, because I feel like during every single one of our like presidential leadership class or sorority fraternity mixers or whatever, and they ask you to give an interesting fact, that was always my interesting fact. And again, I just got to relive the glory days of being the most interesting person in the room. I specifically remember because I typically, like in my early 20s, I was addicted to being the most interesting person um, in, in the room. <laughs> and so I would block out anything that made Jesus other people more Christ. interesting. I'm so much better now. But I vaguely remembered something like this happening. And I feel partially responsible that Ryan didn't know about this earlier. And so I apologize for any pain I may have caused you, Ryan. This is Kids Bop Erasure. I'm not here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Dylan, I had to have told you about it at that weird retreat they made us go on at like that creepy scientific lake house in PLC. I'm sure I did. Okay, yeah, I think Ryan's seen those pictures, like the ones where I I drew abs on myself and we all just pretty much hung out outside and sang dashboard confessional songs. Oh, no, Dylan was outside with, Marissa. with a with a guitar. That was him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it was mostly Flight of the Concord songs and dashboard confessional. Dylan has big guy with guitar at the party energy. <laughs> at least I'm at the party. I feel like you played some death cab, like that, you, she is beautiful, but she didn't mean a thing to me, like that one. Oh, yes. Tiny Vessels, great song. Yes, I think Tiny Vessels is probably my favorite song off that entire album, which we're probably going to be talking a little bit about uh, death cab and transatlanticism specifically. Or We Look Like Giants, best oh, song. Oh, that song, talk about getting horned up. All right, should we talk about the episode? I feel like it's time to get into the to this holiday extravaganza of keeping up with the Coens. Everyone's turned off our pod now. Sorry, guys. Yeah. No one's getting their dick poked through their jeans. <laughs> I regret saying that immediately. Also, I just I just want to say I think it's insane. It's crazy to me that um, that Simple Plan song was on a kid's bop record. That's all I want to say about that. <laughs> We're going to uh, get into these holiday episodes, beginning with... Episode number 13, The Best Chrismica Ever, in which we have Sandy Cohen on screen for only six and a half minutes. Not a lot of screen time for Sandy, although it was a big big episode for him, just not a lot of screen time. Uh, Dylan, what, what, what else we need to know about this episode? So this was a Christmas episode, but for some reason it aired on December 3rd, 2003. 
to 9.27 million viewers. So our numbers are back up. It was written by one Stephanie Savage. And what an episode it was. Our scene opens up with a decision that Ryan has to make. Jesus or Moses. Jesus or Moses. Which, okay, that's a question right out of the gate. Is Moses really that important in Judaism? I thought it was all about Abraham. No, he saved. I mean, he saved our people from e- in Egypt. But like, no, he's fine. He's there, but it's not. It, he's not like the. He's not the Jesus of Judaism. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the situation is Seth is trying to find a fun way to describe a holiday to Ryan of his own creation, because as we learn, uh, based on very, very not subtle uh, camera techniques, uh, Kirsten is Christian. And Sandy is Jewish. And so as a mixed religion child, Seth wanted to make sure that he was maximizing the benefits of both religions. So he created Chrismica, which is a hybrid of, you guessed it, Christmas and Hanukkah. That's right. Also worth noting, to be Jewish, uh, because Seth and I are the same in this regard, to be Jewish, it has to come from your mother's side of the family. So if it comes from your dad's side, you're really not Jewish. Like, you're just not. So uh, actually, neither of us are Jewish, for, for what it's worth. Oh, dang. Spoiler alert. Sorry to ruin the OC for you. That's okay. Um, they talked to Ryan a lot about what his holiday memories were, and Ryan's being a little kind of standoffish about it. Um, he eventually does say, my holiday memories are my mom being drunk and me getting my ass kicked. And I, my first thought honestly was like, is it really, nothing is different. Like Kirsten's drunk and you're getting your ass kicked a lot. That's what I was thinking that same thing, but I was like, is that very dark? But, um, Uh, I mean, Kirsten, well, rewatching, I did not realize there's rare, rarely scenes where she doesn't have that little goblet of uh, wine in her hand. Yeah, she know, I've no, I notice it every scene now. Every, every note, every, I have so many notes that just say like, Kirsten with wine, Kirsten with champagne. So yeah. Um, we are introduced to the Seth Cohen starter packs, which we'll get into in a second. We have uh, Seth talking about Anna and Summer and how there's no choosing on Christmas. You can have Christmas, you can have Hanukkah, you can have, you can have Anna, you can have Summer, which I think is gross. I think he should have to choose. I don't think, I think this whole, this whole uh, like two episodes of Seth, Anna and Summer to me are so much weirder and kind of grosser to watch in 2020 than yes. they were when I was like a teenager. Okay, I was thinking about it because remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about how, you know, Ryan, you were like, wait, I date multiple girls all the time. This is the difference. Are these girls know each other and the three of them are all at places at the same time. It's very different than like adult casual dating different people who probably work at different places. You're never in the same room together. But this is so strange. They all go to school and they all have the same social functions. The when I when I sort of defend myself, whatever I said that I just meant like I'll go on one or two or three dates with someone and decide like okay I want to continue dating them or I don't. It's not like what Seth's doing, which is trying to prolong it as long as possible forever. Like I think he wants to have a threesome. Honestly, is what he's angling. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like polyamory territory here. This is throuple. Big Utah energy. (laughs) So first of all, I have no idea why he's wanting to prolong it after what happened to him, you know, on Thanksgiving. If anything, I would want to make a decision to avoid that situation in the future. But not only watching this in 2020, but kind of watching this from this new lens that we've kind of created on the podcast, which is Seth Cohen might not be as charming as we thought he was. Like, that Mm -hmm. idea coupled with the the whole part where Sandy and Kirsten are pulling the Christmas tree in and Seth is just like sarcastically standing in the background going, yeah, put your back into it. Go ahead and do it. Like I'm really not liking Seth in this episode, which makes me sad because like he's so excited about Christmas and like he's ringing his bell and he's spreading joy. Then he's just kind of being a tool. And I don't know how I feel about that. 
But I do like those Seth Cohen starter packs. What was in the Seth Cohen starter pack? Okay, so he said he says Death Cab, Bright Eyes, Cavalier and Clay, and Goonies. And then if you look at the actual starter okay. pack, based on the size of the items, it looks like it's three CDs, a book, and a DVD. So it looks like well, we know one of the CDs is Death Cab for Cutie Transatlanticism. We know the book is Cavalier and Clay by Michael uh, Chabin, which is amazing. And the movie, of course, is The Goonies. But the other two albums, so there are three CDs, and he only names two bands, which makes me think, looking back on 2003, that's when Bright Eyes released Released two albums. The the double album, yeah, yeah. So they released uh, Digital Ash and a Digital Urn, and I'm I'm wide awake, it's morning. Your theory holds water. I, I approve of your theory. Okay, good. I mean, you know, this this is a question that we've kind of toyed around with in the in, you know off mic and in the text in the group chat, but like the question I have is, what would a Chelsea Trinidad starter pack be? What would a Ryan Drake starter pack be? So for the, for the for, for purposes of this, we can do if we want to mirror it exactly two CDs, a book, and a movie, and let's do it as if we're giving it to someone in two thousand three. Okay, so we are two thousand three selves. Two CDs, a book, and a movie. Chelsea, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, So to preface this, uh, as we were chatting about it, me and Ryan realized, oh my gosh, first of all, ours is going to be exactly the same, which is kind of embarrassing, but is also like things that Seth Cohen likes. So we took Chuck Klosterman off the table. We took Ben Folds off the table. We took Death Cab off the table. With those things all out of the, like off the table and I have to totally reassess, um, I decided to just lean into some of my more basic tendencies of 2003. Um... I'm going to have to go with uh, Mr. A to Z by uh, Jason Mraz. Loved that CD. Um, Interesting. John John Mayer, his heavier things. I was really into that one also. Uh, The Gossip Girl books. And let me tell you, I know that that makes me sound like the ultimate basic, but the books were completely different than the TV show. So I know that I'm trying to defend myself for... (laughs) <laughs> choosing Gossip Girl, but it's okay. Whatever, we're going to go with it. And for movies, I was a little bit caught between Cruel Intentions or Mean Girls. Um, loved them Ooh, both. That's tough. This is not, ju- not just the starter pack. This is the basic Chelsea starter pack. There are many so, Chelsea's. Yeah, many many Chelsea's. One of them starred in a Kids Bop w- would commercial. Would Kids Bop Chelsea <laughs> give that as the Kids Bop Chelsea starter pack? Or would it just be four copies yeah, of Kids Bop 4? I'm pretty sure Mean Girls was 2004. That's all. Oh, called out. All right. I think let's so. go with Cruel Intentions. No, Cruel Intentions is a great one, though. I fucking love that movie. Like, I wish I would have thought of that because that's one of my favorites. That's one of the all-time greats. Cruel Intentions and the Gossip Girl books were more similar. Like, they were very kind of edgy and out there and um, irreverent. Didn't sure. translate on the TV show, which is a disappointment because the Gossip Girl TV show was uh, the, the the same the same guy who did the OC, right? Was it Josh Schwartz? I think it was Josh yeah. Schwartz. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Um, okay, we're going to stick in the realm of like kind of OC adjacent things. Um, the first Strokes album is this, it, 2001. Uh, Weezer, Pinkerton, 1996. Yes. The birth of the birth of like third wave emo, in my opinion. Kind of bridged the gap. And for the movie, I think I would probably go with Orange County, the movie. Yes. Colin Hanks, Jack Black, um... That movie was a big reason I ended up watching the OC because I fucking love that movie so much, and so I thought maybe the OC was like a similar thing because they were so they were really oh, no so way. close to each other. Um, and that that movie was also the first time I'd ever heard Phantom Planets California, 
and it was also the first time I'd ever heard uh, the middle. But I'd like Jimmy Eat World, but I had never heard the middle. And then the middle was the first nice. uh, was was in that movie. It was the first time I ever heard it. Um, and then I would probably go, I think I would go with another Jewish icon, uh, John Stewart, Naked Pictures of Famous People, which was like 1998. Oh, it was a book of just essays, just like essays he wrote, very much in the same vein as Klosterman. I love it. I love it. I uh, if you're interested, if you're interested, yeah. I am also a Jimmy Eat World person. So much so that Bleed America, Jimmy Eat World would be one of my albums. Mark Commissioner yeah. Brandis Scar, Dashboard Confessional. See, the way I see it is these starter packs are like, I thought about this a lot whenever I watch the show, is you give this to someone and they can pretty much ascertain who you are. Um, books, it was between the Lord of the Rings trilogy by Tolkien and American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Uh, both really good. I don't oh. think I fully understood American Gods in 2003, but I still liked it. And uh, of course, the movie, the best movie ever when you first see it and not as good when you rewatch it is the Steven Spielberg movie, Hook. So that is the Dylan Irwin starter pack. So Peter Pan becomes a lawyer when he grows oh, up. I love, love it. it. I appreciate it. Yeah. If people were judging me by my starter pack, I can see why I never had a boyfriend. <laughs> you only had dicks to poke through the jeans at the movie theater. I know. I like peaked in eighth grade. <laughs> so we're going to move on to... Uh, we're back at uh, Tate's house. Tate is where Tate. Tate's house is where, Tate's house is where Marissa allegedly lives. Uh, they're there together. They're choosing ties. Uh, Tate has a job interview, so they're choosing ties, and they talk about how Marissa needs to be going to therapy. Apparently, that was part of the deal with her going out of Tijuana, which was like a fun addition that we'd never like heard of until now. But you know, it makes sense. It fits, so I'm fine with it. Uh, at this point in the episode, I realized I think this was the scene where they are at school and both. Anna and Summer both come up to Seth to talk to him about the Christmas party. And I realized that one, we never see the dates that they went on. Cause remember the last episode, they were like, what are you doing Friday? What are you doing Saturday? Like we never even know what happens. We don't know what, what it happens in those dates. That, okay. So that part confused me. Cause I thought I wasn't sure if we were still in the time frame where they hadn't gone on the dates yet. So I got really confused and they're like, what are you doing Friday? Well, so what's the plan for tonight? Well, and I, so I got really confused by that, but there's something very important that we didn't talk about that I want to briefly talk about because Tate talk, Ty Tate talk, Tate talks with Ty, uh, Ty and Todd's Tate. So what were the trophies on Tate's fireplace? Did you see all of those oh, trophies? I didn't even notice. I did not notice the trophies. Yeah, I noticed them too. What, so two questions. One, what adult man still has trophies like from stuff on his, on his mantle? Uh, I definitely don't because I don't have any. But two, <laughs> what would the trophies be for? Most money lost. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Sold. Sorry, that's all I wanted to talk about. Tate's trophies. Tate's trophies. Tate's tie. Tate talk. Do we know? We don't know that he's ever done. Like maybe he played basketball. I know he's really into basketball. I don't know. I have no idea what they would be. I don't even see him. So maybe it's like best dog, Dustin. Maybe it's Dustin's urn. It's, it's R.I.P. Yeah. We don't know if Dustin's dead or not. Maybe it's China's oh, urn. Merry Christmas. So yeah. Shout out to Tate and his trophies. Tate's, Tate's trophies. It's a spinoff podcast coming to uh, an app <laughs> near you. <laughs> We just speculate. We cut to Julie setting up for the Christmas party. And I have a quote from her that says, the balls are the keys to the whole thing. They need to breathe. She's referring to the Christmas tree ornaments, but I thought that was a great quote. We're back in high school, Marissa and Ryan. This is what I thought was interesting. Mar- Marissa's tells Ryan she's going to the holiday party. Ryan goes, oh, the Coens are going. So I guess I'm going too. Which one seems weird that they didn't know each other's plans. It's like a big holiday party. Two, yeah. she goes, well, I'm seeing you after school, right? And he's like, well, I have to go to the mall. They do shopping. And I'm again, I'm just like, how do they not know what each other... Like, later on, I think that Ryan's being way too overprotective and like way too involved. But like at this point, I'm like, how the fuck do you guys not communicate very basic things to each other like this? 
I think that's why their relationship is so rocky because communication is key. But this <laughs> mall trip is one of my favorite weird montages because it features music from the Chrismica EP. This is the music moment of the episode. It's Rod Sex oh. and Maybe This Christmas. I fucking love this song. It's a great song. It's a great Christmas song. And yeah. it's set to an incredible montage. And another thing you guys may may not know about me, we're going deep into each other's lives today. Um, oh, yeah. And they, you brought up Robin Sparkles earlier, and I almost said it when you said that, is that I fucking love the mall. Mm-hmm. I fucking love the mall. I go as much as I can. That's the hardest part of COVID for me is living next to Penn Square Mall and not being able to go. Is Penn Square your mall of choice? Oh, yeah. I'm learning something new about my friend right now. I've never met anyone who enjoys going to a mall. I fucking, it's all, ever since I was a kid, we used to spend Friday nights at the mall and I just never grew out of it. I just, not going, not being able to go Black Friday shopping at the mall was so hard for me. I, I, I'm like one of the few people who fucking love it. Uh, yeah. So the scene of them at the holidays uh, with the Ron Sexton song, Maybe This Christmas, and it's like a montage of them at the mall. I was just like living my best life watching this. And Marissa even had a quote where I wrote, Marissa and I understand each other because she said, I like it here. Everything's so perfect. You walk around feeling like all your problems can be solved with the right nail polish or a new pair of shoes. <laughs> the, the thing about this scene that I really liked is it reminded me that this was, I think, the only OC episode that has its own soundtrack. Because, you know, you have the OC Mix Volume 1, then you have the OC Mix Volume 2, mm-hmm. and at this time in the show's life, if I if I remember correctly, there was a Chrismica EP. No, you are, you are wrong. So, okay, so it was one, and then two was the second season, and then three was mm-hmm. Chrismica music from both seasons. The Chrismica record, which was Mix 3, came out around the time of um, 2004 Christmas, which would have been the second season of, of the OC. And I remember specifically, it was the first time I had ever heard the song Last Christmas. And so by Jimmy World. Oh, the and Jimmy World version the, is awesome. Yeah, I didn't hear the original version until like maybe I was in college. So, And you thought I they were covering Jimmy, Jimmy World? Yeah, I was like, whoa, wham, oh. what are you doing? Also love the Christmas song by the yes. Ravenettes, that how the oh, yeah. starts. That's like another great music moment. Yeah, that's a really good Christmas song. I love that song. Yeah. They played in Christmas with the Cranks, also highly underrated Christmas movie. Based on a John Grisham novel. So they're at the mall. What happens at the mall? Thank you for asking, Chelsea. <laughs> um, they're at the mall, and there's a lot of things happening here. One, I don't understand what they're looking. I mean, they're looking at a lot of stuff, but I'm like, how is if if they were going to buy anything, which clearly they don't because she steals it. But if they were going to, how would Ryan afford this? Because it was Ryan's shopping trip, and I was like, how is he paying for anything? How does he have money? Okay. Okay. This brings up a point that has been present in my mind for this entire season, and it is, where did Ryan get all of these new clothes? Are the Coens footing the bill for everything? I think they are. So, I mean, there's your answer. Yeah. But now if he's going to buy gifts for them, he's like, can I get money to go buy gifts for you? I mean, you, you just described high school. Maybe they give him an allowance. Maybe they gave him an allowance. That's a good theory, Chelsea. Okay. Yeah. They, they probably gave him a debit card that they preload with, like, you know, some money you spend every month. Okay. That's what my parents did. Wait, really? I did not know this was the thing. I, okay. This is a whole other world. I had to work in the mines. It's not a thing. Yeah. Um. So this is interesting to me because I've always been under the impression that if you steal something and you get out of the store... Like you're 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 good. Like I didn't know security could follow you out of the store, much less out of the mall. Uh, I I don't know if maybe I'm just wrong about that, Dylan. You know about the law. It it would differ from state to state, but you would think maybe it depends on how the leases would be with the stores, and it would also depend on if the parking garage was owned by the mall, because technically it could still be considered mall property. 
But um, the, a question that I had about this was, was this before or after the Winona Ryder stuff happened? This is way after. Winona Ryder stuff was like 99, I thought. Because I couldn't remember. I remember that was a huge deal. Like an entire generation of people knew Winona Ryder as that actress that stole a whole bunch of stuff from the store. This is the first time I heard the phrase five finger discount, which is actually my note for Marissa. I know. Uh, so what do we think like spurred Marissa into stealing? Because she seemed like she was doing pretty well up until now. So this really caught me off. The Winona guard. Ryder thing was 2001. I just wanted to say that. I think, honestly, there was some truth to what Julie was saying to her about when she went to Tijuana and all the stuff that she's doing. And you know, Oliver, spoilers, Oliver even talks about it briefly about how she wasn't trying to kill herself. She was just trying to get a reaction, all this stuff. I think that she is just feeling like she's out of control, like she doesn't have any control of things in her life. So she's using um, the thrill of stealing stuff when she honestly probably didn't really need to just to get a reaction out of her parents uh, because they have kind of abandoned her and they don't care. And I don't know, typical teen stuff. I don't know, though. She says it as she's walking out. She says, you know, for a minute, the lipstick can solve your life's problems, and now she yeah. can't afford it. So maybe she just wanted it at all costs. Yeah, I like that. I uh, I did, th- I did. whenever they had the scene with Tate and they were looking at ties, and she says something about how she doesn't want to do anything for the holidays because the holidays are depressing. And he's like, wait, are you depressed? And she's like, no. And he's like, okay. And like, that's it? And I was like, wait, what? That's it? And then she gets caught stealing and it's just kind of like, he doesn't put the two together. It's The stealing thing is like its own isolated incident. And I'm just like, dude, you got to intervene at some point. And be like, what the fuck is going on? He's got a lot on his mind. And clearly one of those trophies wasn't for being a good father. And it hurts wow. me to say, wow. it hurts me to say that. It hurts me. Have we turned on, did we, did we, have we turned on Tate? Not turned on we Tate, turned, have we turned well, on Tate? We have, we haven't poked him in Too Fast, Too mm-hmm. Furious. Correct. But we, uh, first we turn on Seth, now we turn on Tate. By the end of this, we're only going to like Taylor Townsend and Luke. And Luke? Yeah, dude, I ship, I, first of all, <sighs> I ship them. I'm a big, big fan. Of Layler. We're pro Luke podcast. Tuke. Uh, Tuke. <laughs> Fool of a Tuke. The only note I had about that was I thought it was funny. Security followed her out of the mall. And then I was like, and then I, as a joke, I wrote, I forgot that like outside is her inside. So it makes sense that he, was, he would get followed outside. Oh. He should have, a, he should have to get a warrant for that then. That's right. He's in her house. For coming into uh, her house. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, we get the scene with Tate uh, having a sit down with Marissa about her shoplifting. Uh, Julie shows up, tells her she has to go to therapy. Uh, Marissa's afraid to go to therapy, which I think is weird. Um, I never wanted to go to therapy, but I would have also never been like afraid to go to therapy. Ryan, you're Ryan, you're legit not a real comedian unless you go to therapy and you're on antidepressants. I'm kind of disappointed by you. Well, I'm not a real comedian, so <laughs> everything <laughs> so, is falling. So, so. Also, I also I go to therapy pretty regularly. Okay, I, I felt like it was a badge of honor. Like. I thought that it was kind of problematic, and I feel like a lot of shows did this around this time period in a lot of movies. And it's why we have such an important movement now to normalize going to therapy and normalize uh, positive conversations about mental health. Because much like the whole you're too late when she lost her virginity to Luke, I feel like this is just another nail in the, in the, in the you know, PC coffin where an entire plot point is not only about her being afraid to go to therapy, but then her meeting someone in therapy that ends up just completely being a crazy oh, wow. person. And it kind of made me uncomfortable, but... Therapy's um, bad. Confirmed. Oh, I didn't think about that. But so we, we, we were talking about balls earlier, and I want to go back to that. Um, sure. There was there's a scene in here, speaking of Seth's terrible outfit, where he's sitting on the couch with Summer and Anna on either side of him, 
and very, very explicitly placed in the very middle of the frame, there is a giant thing of blue balls. Oh, I didn't. I did not notice that. Oh, look at you noticing things. Little Easter egg. I'll screenshot it and because I'm trying to figure out if it's intentional. Um, you know it the whole idea be. that Seth, you know, Seth is in the middle, and there are these two women who he's having to decide between, and then you have Julie's comment about the balls and all this stuff. It, I just, I don't know. I like to think of this show as being on a different level, and I, I it's got to be. I'll get the screen cap, and we, you all can decide. Then they go to the party and they walk in and I love it because it's the same guy from the pilot. And he again approaches them and asks if they would like a mushroom leek crescent or a crab and brie phyllo. And doesn't Seth say something like to make it meta, like where he says, get new material or something like that? (laughs) I thought that was a cute little little Easter egg. Help me understand this if I don't fully understand it. We find out that the property that that Sandy and Caleb are or in litigation over is actually not worth anything so so okay based on this episode it sounds like so he was trying to build you know those properties on balboa heights and in order to build properties um you know this might be something that alex could tell us about you you have to have certain specific you know environmental uh, tests done and, and and geological things done to make sure that what you're doing is actually geologically sound architecturally sound and so when she found that geological survey, it was discovered that the land was not suitable for what the Newport group wanted to do. And so Caleb. Yeah, it was too. Yeah. Silty. So Caleb, knowing this and knowing that that Sandy didn't know about the geological survey was bluffing him and saying, you know, just just, you know, getting as much blood out of the stone as you could um, and getting $250 million for property that he wouldn't be able to do anything with, which is why Sandy came around and said, here's the thing, uh, the deal's off and you are going to sell it back to me because it's worthless to you for the price of $1, knowing that if Caleb did not accept that deal, he would be stuck with land that he didn't have anything to do with. So it was pretty good lawyering on, on Sandy's part. Well, Annie would have profited. Um, I mean, he, they would have profited so much, then it would have gone to a, a suit for yeah. fraud and, you know, all kinds of illegal yeah. stuff going on. Can we talk about the gifts? Yes, definitely. Um, so what happens next is that Anna and Summer both want to give Seth their respective gifts. And Anna starts out and she gives him a comic book that she drew by herself. Um, I what, what is it called? Like The Adventures of Seth and Captain Oates. It's pretty adorable. The Adventures of Seth Cohen and Captain Oates. Um, I've, I got, I actually think I made one of these for like my freshman year of college boyfriend, which at the time I thought was adorable, <laughs> but now I'm kind of cringe thinking about it. Yeah, before we go on, you know, Summer's gift, of course, is the complete opposite direction. Summer's gift is, you know, I heard you like comic books, Cohen, and her gift is literally just her dressed in a Wonder Woman outfit. Um, So I kind of want to take Chelsea's question and expand it and say, which gift do you think was the better gift? And, And Ryan, I want you to answer this as you would when you were Seth's age, and I want you to answer it now. It's obviously both situations. It's obviously yeah. Summers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See, I, I think it's Anna's because... Oh, my God. Stop well, I think it's I think that it's Anna's because they're both thoughtful gifts, but Summers' gift was literally just her, and that seems kind of conceited. Yeah. Okay, who cares? <laughs> it's Summers. She's hot. She's dressed up as Wonder Woman. Who cares if it's conceited? Yeah, it was like his fantasy. And yeah. That actually brings us to our outfit of the episode. Absolutely. So when Summer walks in, she's in 
This little black cocktail dress and a tiara, which I thought was kind of weird, but you know, it's it's summer. She does what she wants. It, it worked with the outfit. It was kind of an Audrey Hepburn type looking thing. But then she takes off the dress. And did you guys think she was going to be naked? I thought she was going to be naked. I didn't think she was going to be naked. I thought there was going to be some sort of like lingerie situation. I did not expect the comic book thing. So that was a, that was a fun surprise. Yeah. So that was kind of the rest of the episode. Um, they, they don't really choose like anna thinks her gift was too childish uh summer thinks her gift was too horny so uh they both kind of are embarrassed and they leave together and seth is left with no one which is what he deserves let's be honest truly uh meanwhile marissa is depressed because she said she was depressed and everyone just ignored it but she's depressed and she's stealing and now she's drinking uh she's drinking she stole a bottle of vodka so she's at the party She's drinking most of the... There's a scene in the bathroom at one point where the Dandy Warhol song is playing, actually. And she's pouring a heavy pour. Yeah, the entire bottle. Yeah, I mean, she's a pretty heavy pour. Um, But I give her credit because the scene where she first comes back and is, like, making out with Ryan and trying to get him to dance, she's just being fun. I was like, this is the most fun Marissa I've seen. And eventually it turns and she's kind of drunker and sadder. But, like, for that moment, she was really fun. Yeah. And Ryan shut it down. She was carefree. She was kissing on him. She goes, what? You drink? And he goes, not alone in a bathroom. I drink my seven and sevens outside in your home. <laughs> there are always people around. In this exact scene, I'm going to put the audio in from the episode because it's the only thing I clipped. But my, my, I laughed so hard at this. I laughed as hard as I did at the Evanescence song whenever this happened. I don't think I've ever noticed it before. Ryan goes into some like complainy thing about like everyone always drinks around me. And when I first saw you, you were passed out in an alleyway or blah, blah, blah. Like he just kind of goes on and on. And the Marissa just goes, shut up. <laughs> when I met you, you were having fun passed down your driveway. A couple weeks later, it was an alley in Mexico. It's like, it's like my mom all over again. Shut up. It, it was so fucking funny to me. I laughed so hard. when she, I watched it like four times. I laughed every time. She acted it so well, too, because she looks kind of, you know, when your eyes glaze over and you're kind of tired mm-hmm. and they just kind of droop slowly. Like, she, it was, it was very well This is the second time. Okay, can I, this is the second time we've said that, though, because I said the same thing about her in the Tijuana scene. I was like, she acted this really well. Maybe this is a bad sign for Misha Barton. Thanks for the cameo. Yeah, ooh, she's great at being really fucked up. Appreciate your cameo, Misha. Ooh. Big fans. Anyway. So, yeah, we love you. Uh, so she... We stay. So she gets mad at Ryan. She tries to drunk drive home. Ryan gets in the way, won't let her drunk drive home. She crashes into someone's car, busts out the taillight. Uh, they get pulled over. Ryan's driving. Uh, Marissa, for some reason, opens the bottle of vodka in the car. I don't know why, uh, but she loses the, she loses the cap. She gets pulled over. Um, some, the cop miraculously lets them go with the warning with some last-minute radio call. Ryan loses his mind at this point. He gets out of the car, walks over to the passenger side, grabs the bottle, throws it to God knows where. Could have killed someone, let's be real. And then opens and clo- <laughs> and then just slams her passenger door with her sitting in the passenger seat like five times in a row, which I thought was too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my theory is he, Ryan's always had uh, issues communicating his feelings and expressing emotion. He's just not good with words. So his only method of expressing his fear and frustration and anxiety in that moment was to slam the door over and over again. Yes. And he, yeah. but he does say that it, it's almost like a Christmas back with his family at this point. People drunk, the police. And so I think that he should be thanking Marissa personally. So I, I just got to say, if for the remainder of this episode, I feel like two very important things happen. The first thing that happens is Seth rejects both Anna and Summer and asks them both to be friends, which I don't understand why he did that. They were like, choose one of us, and he likes both of them, so he rejected them both. Why did he do that? So dumb. So dumb. Yeah. After all the bullshit. Yeah, after all the bullshit. And so the other thing that we need to talk about, and 
I mean, in my opinion, one of the biggest points in the episode is we meet Oliver Trask. And we meet him sitting outside of the therapy um, office, maybe seeing a therapist, maybe not. And he is reading The Theory of the Leisure Class by Thorsten Veblen. And what else is he reading? Oh, heck, I don't have my note. Oh, the, it's in the other episode. So he is reading The Theory of the Leisure Class by Thorsten Veblen, which is a treatise on economics and a detailed social c- critique of consumerism. So a little bit of foreshadowing there uh, for those of you who know what's going to be happening. The reason they had this like one-on-one interaction was because Ryan did not go with her to therapy, which is kind of the first time that Ryan like lets her go do something on her own. And it's when she meets fucking Oliver because Sandy talks him into having movie night instead. Also, Oliver's lip, upper lip is super wet for some reason during this whole scene. I noticed that it was like moist. I don't know why. I get sweaty when I read Veblen. Yeah, I wrote a note about that also. It, it is weird that Ryan wants to go to therapy with her and Sandy's kind of like, I don't know, this is something she needs to do by herself. And it reminds me the same thread comes up again, season three, when she has to go to Harbor without him or sorry, um, Newport Union without him. Like, it's like, Ryan, why are you hovering? Like, you're not going to drive her to therapy. That's really, really Super weird. Overstepping, weird. Especially for people who aren't even on the same level where they don't know about the parties and um like evenings that they're spending. So I I didn't really get that. But yeah, we get a little taste of Oliver. I think they did the best job teasing that out. Like you knew that it was more than just like, you know, a waitress at a restaurant who says, you know, here's your change. He says, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Uh, That would never happen. They would never put two people outside in a waiting room next to each other to go to therapy. Like obviously those people are going to talk. That shit just doesn't happen. That's HIPAA, man. Yeah. Uh, my, my, I just want to say my final note that I skipped over is a shout out to the dog that had the antlers on in the mall montage. That really made my day. Good boy. Oh, such a good boy. We meet Oliver. He's being creepy. He's asking Marissa a lot of questions, but that kind of is the end of the episode. And that gets us into episode number 14, my favorite episode of all time of the OC. It's called The Countdown. It features Sandy for 11 minutes and 16 seconds, which is a big come up. Probably why I like the episode so much. Um, what else do we need to know about The Countdown, Dylan? <laughs> We're starting the countdown. So this episode aired on December 17th, 2003, day before my birthday, to 7.99 million viewers, and it was written by the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Schwartz. Let's dig into Ryan's favorite episode of all time. I love this open. I love, like, the dialogue in this episode is just, like, bang, bang. Like, it really is Sorkin-esque. Um, but, like, especially this this open, and any time they mention this open, this is my favorite open, I think, of any episode of the OC, and it's the one where, uh, first of all, they make the Russell Crowe jokes, which I think is hilarious, because everyone, because Ryan clearly looks just like Russell Crowe. Yep. Um, Marissa has the quote, my parents got divorced, mm-hmm. my dad went bankrupt, and I OD'd, as a way to shout out to 2003. Ryan has this weird, like, again, this hovering problem where he says, let's do nothing for New Year's Eve because then I'll know you'll be safe. And I'm like, ugh, creep. That's that's codependency. That's possession, bro. Don't do that. Absolutely. Um, But then they there's the moment where they hug each other and Marissa whisper. And there's like this really sweet music in the background. It's just like the music cue is what really does it for me. There's really sweet music in the background and Marissa goes, I love you. And then they just hold it there for a minute. And then the music suddenly switches to more like whimsical, kind of upbeat, funny music. And Ryan just goes, thank you. I mean, uh, I, I, I didn't mean, I... Uh, thank you. 
You're welcome. And Marissa says she has to be home, question mark, for her midnight curfew, which we know is literally anywhere. Just had to be outside. Ryan goes back to the pool house, and that's where we meet Haley. Haley Nickel. I almost said Widmore again. Haley Nickel. <laughs> Did you know that Amanda Rigetti, who plays Haley, is 19 years old in this episode, and Adam Brody is in his 20s in this episode? Ben McKenzie's 25. Yeah, and and so you have the teenager playing the adult and the adult playing the teenager. So that's American television for you. We're introduced to Haley. She's not wearing pants. Um, she's very cute, but she's not wearing pants. And she's technically, <laughs> I guess technically she's she's Ryan's aunt. Gorgeous. And she like flirts with him, which is really weird because she's like, do you want your shirt back? Like come and get it or something like that. Yeah. I don't think she knew who he was though. She didn't know he was her quasi nephew. Still a lot of sexual tension in that room. Uh, she finds out that Ryan couldn't say I love you to Marissa. Cue the credits. Uh, this is the first time so far in the opening credits we have Rachel Bilson. We have Melinda Clark, and we still have Chris Carmack as Luke, even though he's not in this episode. He's in our hearts. Or the previous episode. Absolutely, he is. Um, He's in our thoughts. So, blowing through this, I kind of have it broken down into different, uh, like, the the Marissa Oliver story, the adult story, the Ryan and Seth story. Um, It all kind of starts with them in the kitchen. Haley shows up without pants. Um, (laughs) Sandy knows she's out of money. This whole, this, like, I I wanted to shout out every time I thought there was a good line, but then every line was good. So it's hard to, like, shout out every line. Wasn't this the sequence where Seth refers to Marissa as a Laker? Yeah. She goes, oh, that's short next door and he goes no yeah. she's a laker now a la- he's like he says laker l-a-n-k oh, he says he says laker like as in la lakers because she's tall laker yeah that's what i thought a lanker hold on i want to know if anyone has ever referred to a tall person as a lanker we uh we find out i thought it was interesting that um sandy mentions that he and kirsten have been married for 17 years i think they do have an i think they guess they do have their 20th anniversary at some point in the future yeah they do a year from now so that was a mistake interesting uh lots of good dialogue there's a carson daly shout out um i'm not here for the carson daly slander in this episode i'm also not here for the talbots slander in this episode on the marissa and oliver front uh they hang out they're hanging out at the therapist's office which is a totally normal thing to do um they're talking about her resol- her new year's resolutions and he invites her to his party at the four seasons penthouse and he gives her a full page flyer like advertisement for his party and just says, come by, I'll explain everything. So he is also <laughs> reading a new book. He is now reading The Wealth and Poverty of Nations, Why Some Are So Rich and Some So Poor. If anyone is sensing a theme here, I promise it's intentional. Ryan, did you just call a flyer, a, an invitation a flyer? Typically when people throw parties, you know, back in the day, they printed invitations. That was a, that was a straight up flyer. No, that was a flyer. That's like what you would. That's what you'd see in the high school bathroom. It'd be just be like Valentine's Day party at my house or something. Oh my yeah. god, nuh-uh. that was so an invitation. And I used to throw parties, and I would go to the drama room uh, copy machine and make I make it four ways. I could cut the the uh, piece of paper into four pieces and make a little stack, and I handed them out. Those are my invitations. No, 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 no. I'm pushing back on this. I'm pushing back on this. That was a flyer. That was not an invitation. <laughs> an invitation is what you send to someone or you handwrite something. You make it personal. That party was popping off. There was like a hundred people there. There's no way he sent invitations to all of them. I'm going to have to side with Ryan on this one. An invitation is personalized okay. and it's in an envelope. Like a scroll. All, all of that. I don't know. I, I, I took it as an invitation personally. He did invite her. I'm not saying he didn't invite her. They have a nice, they have a nice, uh, you know, back and forth. They make some inside jokes about some crudite, which I'm a fan of. Who isn't? You know, I love dips what is myself. It? It's a, it's a veggie platter, but you know, maybe they artfully cut it so they're more, um, you know, square than just kind of haphazardly thrown on there. But she goes home and tells Ryan about it, and Ryan is out. Ryan has no interest in this party whatsoever. 
Yeah, he mentions she mentions like, oh, he's just a guy from therapy. Oh, I guess that's just an inside joke I have with Oliver. Worst is the worst. Break up with her. I've done a lot of rewatches of the OC over the years, um, but like I usually skip the Oliver episodes because they're so cringe to me. Like I haven't seen the Oliver episodes as much as I've seen like the rest of seasons one and two. So for me, this is like really fresh for the first. I haven't seen it in like probably at least ten years. And Oliver, I forgot just how fucking just like punchable and smarmy he is. He's definitely like an R red pill guy on Reddit at this point. Oh yeah. Ah, he has like the smirk on his face. His little like lips are always upturned in this like horrible smirk. And he he starts talking to her. Oh, wait, I'm skipping ahead. Um, Eventually she goes to the party and Ryan and Seth stay home. He keeps talking about the mojitos. Mojitos. Ah, I just, I hate this. Mojito. It, it was pretentious AF. But anyways, meanwhile, as they're getting ready for their big night, uh, Kirsten and Sandy have their tradition of going to Arches. I guess it's the fancy neighborhood in, or restaurant in Newport. Thought it was McDonald's when I first watched it. <laughs> Haley kind of mocks uh, Kirsten. It really gets under her skin. She's like, wow, you are really married. Like you are a lame married person. Look at this outfit from Talbot's. Um, if you want to actually have fun, here's an invitation to a party. Mm, I don't think you're actually going to go. Like, it was very kind of glass lighting and manipulative. Wasn't feeling it. It was. It was. It was a thing. So to get everyone caught up, the three things going on that night, Seth and Ryan are hanging out at their house with Haley for a night in. Uh, Summer and Marissa are going to the penthouse party at the Four Seasons. And Kirsten and Sandy are going to go on a dinner date. Now, of course, things do not go as planned. Uh-oh. Um, at Ryan Uh-oh, Kirsten, everyone. <laughs> Ryan, Kirsten, and Sandy are leaving. This asshole opens the door. He's wearing the 2004 sunglasses. He shakes up a bottle of champagne and just sprays it all over Sandy and Kirsten's foyer. Yeah. Haley's throwing a rager. She's throwing a big-ass party. There's lots of champagne, lots of shits being broken. Um, there's lots of dudes in the pool, naked dudes. Lots of punk music. Haley owes someone $3,000 for something, and then I guess she disappeared. Um, and they talk about how there's no, how she doesn't have any friends, but Haley counters by saying, look at this great party I'm throwing. And she, whoever she's talking to says, well, everyone knows no one throws a rager like Haley Nickel because there's good blow and great speed. Is good blow and great speed better than uh, Too Fast, Too Furious? Six Kegs and Mad Honeys? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On the hierarchy of parties, I think Too Fast, Too Furious is at the top. Sure. But then what's in second? Is it the Six Kegs? and uh, Mad Honeys or this. Chelsea, if you received a flyer for a party, <laughs> which one would you prefer to go to? I'm going to the one with good blow. Absolutely. Oh. I'm going to the Haley oh. Nickel Rager. <laughs> Ryan doesn't care about any of this. It's like, I kind of didn't care about any of this, even though it's my favorite episode. But he like tries to get Haley to shut the party down. She's like, nah, dog, not happening. She locks them in the pool house, which I'm very confused by. How? Yeah, somehow she locks them in. I guess the door only locks from the outside. I don't know. Also, they mentioned the fact that it's just all windows. Open a window, break a window, do something. Yeah. Break yeah. a window and That's blame it on someone else. That's hilarious dialogue, too. Um, Seth is freaking out. He's like, oh, my God, we're trapped in here like rats. And Ryan kind of mutters under his breath. He goes, rats in a ginormous pool house. Yeah. He's yeah. like, do you, do you need a sandwich or a shower? We have that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we leave one party and we go to another party. Um, and this is Oliver's party at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping. What did you wow, guys think about good, this New Year's good Eve Good timely reference. <laughs> I'm glad we got a summer sighting. Summer's her first appearance of the show is whenever in this episode is when she's riding up with Marissa. Yeah, and oh no, guess who else is there? Anna. This Anna's is never. There. This is never resolved. This drove me crazy. 
that she's like, oh, I'm friends yeah. with the people who own this, who, the kid whose parents, whatever. And Marissa's like, oh, you know Oliver? And she's like, what do you mean? And then Oliver shows up and we never find out what she means beyond that. We never find out really why she's there. It's lost forever. Marissa runs off with uh, Oliver. They're talking about crudite. They're eating their dip. They're talking about um, their relationships. And he kind of sneaks in there like, oh, I'm dating this girl, Natalie. But Natalie's not here. She goes to a different school. Yeah, he it it reeks of George Glass energy. Like everything. <laughs> Excellent, very Brady sequel <laughs> reference. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Thank you. Everything Marissa says about Ryan, he repeats. Like it is just a mirror image. Marissa's like, "Oh well, you know, I I really want Ryan to walk in the door," and he's like, "Oh, I keep, I want oh I want Natalie to also." It's so creepy and it's so cringy. Like you know, whenever you're having a conversation with someone and they do that, and you're like, "This person's a terrible conversationalist. They have nothing to do. They're just sucking up. This guy's got to go." And he's doing it. And Marissa's just buying it. It's weird. So they're kind of having their own little conversation. And then Anna and Summer are hanging out. And this guy happens Alan. to look over and kind of smile. Alan. Alan from Tulsa. Tulsa. Alan from Tulsa. George Gunther Glass. Get over here. <laughs> it's huge. Uh, first, there's a Kids Bop star from Tulsa. Now there's Alan. Shout outs. It was a big moment for us. If George Glass were real, he'd be from Tulsa too. George Glass is from Tulsa. <laughs> Uh, I, I had a George Glass. I'm sure you guys did too. Don't did you have lie. a George Tropicana? <laughs> <laughs> George Tropicana. <laughs> His name is George. George what? Georgia Tropicana. What a nice name. Is he Cuban? Uh, he goes over and the girls are, but you know, they can't tell who he's smiling at. And instead of just, you know, playing it cool, they're like, no, 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 no. You have to choose between us. Which one of us did you like? And he's kind of like, I don't know. You're both cute. Anna kind of bows out. Um, but she has a plan up her sleeve, which we'll get to later. Meanwhile, let's talk about what Kirsten and Sandy have been up to. Oh, oh baby. God, yes. They did not go to McDonald's. <laughs> they went to a party. A noopsies party. So they go to this party. I didn't know what a swinger was, by the way, when I was, uh, however old I was when this came out, 15, 16. It's like a lanker. <laughs> <laughs> swingers and lankers. Um, it's a swingers party. Clearly, we all know what that means now. Um, couples go and they fuck each I other. I heard rumors about, yeah, I had heard rumors about key parties. Like, I feel like I had heard jokes on the sly mm-hmm. about it. But basically, the premise of this party, which they they walk in, they're immediately greet, greeted by our favorite noopsie, Miss Taryn. Taryn. Taryn the Karen. She has this awesome haircut. It is like Carol Brady, you know, speaking of Brady oh, Bunch references. It's everywhere. It is flipped out on the side. It, it's pre-Kate Goslin, but it is about as Kate Goslin-esque <laughs> as you could get for 2003. Oh, and she basically, it's like exposition. She explains what the... the uh, premise of the party is which is every male that walks in drops their uh, watch into a fishbowl and then they're all going to kind of have fun flirting with each other and at the end of the night they're all going to grab a watch and whoever's watch they end up picking that's who they get to go home with she refers to sandy as the like the prize of the night basically yeah she's she's all horned up for sandy which is weird her and kirsten are best friends how did she not know what's who sandy was or what he looked like yeah I mean, we could spend the next five hours discussing whether or not we would go, how we would, how we would fare in swinkers parties. We don't need to do that. I just think that, uh, yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre that they stayed there. Kirsten yeah. dares Sandy to put his watch in the in the fishbowl, and he tries to stop her. Yeah, they're both they're both appalled. 
But at the same time, they both don't want to be the one to back out first. But then throughout the night, they kind of go back and forth on who is feeling uncomfortable about it. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's Kirsten's talking to Taryn. Uh, Taryn knows everything mm-hmm. about swinging, apparently. She saved her marriage in 1998, allegedly. Um, right. And her quote was, you have one, worst case scenario, you have one crazy, you have one evening of crazy sex with a total stranger. Just like we did like on Thursdays in college or something crazy. Kirsten meets Bob. Uh, he's a, he studies birds and or as an ortho, whatever, biologist. <laughs> Bob's birds. An ornithologist. Thank you. Sandy comes over and introduces himself. Sandy Cohen, pleasure swinging with you. Great line. <laughs> Kirsten still doesn't want to leave. Kirsten's still interested in staying. She's kind of, uh, kind of, uh, they're playing a game of chicken basically at this point. She's titillized by the situation. It's a too fast, too furious situation. Maybe she's, <laughs> um, we, we meet Heidi, who is like Sandy's girl that he's talking to, and he wants to, her to finish her story about the Galapagos. So I have a theory about um, swingers in New York and COVID. I'm pretty sure that Patient Zero was at a Hacienda party. Do you guys know about the Hacienda? Oh, Ryan, you do. You go to Burning Man, don't you? <gasps> I've never been to Burning Man. I'm very interested to know what this Hacienda is. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, Hacienda is this sex club situation. Um, one of my clients is highly involved with Hacienda, which is how I know so much about it. Um, they, I guess that they do a lot of promotion of like safe sex and consensual sex. But basically, in these big cities, they have these sex parties. And you have to get uh, STD tested and you have to go to a consent class. And in this consent class, they even ask you, like, they they want it to become part of the culture where they say, may I hold your hand or may I watch you? Because some people have some kinks. Um, and anyways, you, you have to, it's invite only. And whoever brings you, if you misbehave, then not only are you kicked out forever, but the person who brought you is kicked out forever. Ooh, I love that. So... And then I guess they just go to these like bougie ass uh, apartments in New York City and they kind of just have a big orgy together. I'm not above. I'm not here to kink shame. I'm all for the Hacienda. Invite me in. I will do it. I mean, I, me, me, me and Ryan do not know each other like that. And maybe maybe Ryan and Dylan do. I'm not sure. I don't want to make that judgment for them. We have a two man Hacienda and it's just us. <laughs> I, I feel like Ryan would, would obey the rules. I feel like you'd be a good member of the club. Absolutely. I have I have something similar. About what, a weird sex orgy club? Go ahead. Yeah, I have something similar, except instead of a sex orgy club, it's like a whole bunch of people come over and we like... Uh, roll dice. Roll dice and uh, we role play. It's a big role playing thing. Yep. Um, but no it's one has called sex. D&D. Yeah, no one has sex. Well, I guess you could have sex. Um, so I have questions. <laughs> that's, that's I have questions about this party. I have questions about this party. Um, Sandy's talking to Heidi. Kirsten's talking to Bob. They eventually go to the, they get to the point where they're going to pull watches out of the, the, the bowl. They, there's so many watches in this bowl. There's like a million watches in this bowl. Where do the couples go? <laughs> like, do they go fuck in the building that they're in? Do they go home? Like, I'm so confused about where they go to hook up. They go to Marissa's house? Outside. I think they they must go home. But I mean, I, I remember watching this and at the time I was like, oh, is there just like a lot of bedrooms? I was very naive about the situation. I thought uh, they were just going to kiss on New Year's at midnight. So I'm not the person <laughs> to answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kissing club. Oh my gosh. The kissing party. Taryn's date was gross. I mean, not gross. He seems like a fine guy, but like her, that was that the whole scene was uncomfortable. Just like, oh, now I have to let this guy have sex with me. Basically, like that was really gross. That guy would definitely be at one of my parties. Where does consent come in here? Is it just like you walk in there and it's like you are agreeing to this social contract? Because I feel like if you drew someone's watch and you were like, oh, I don't want to hook up with them, but then the, the whole premise of the 
the night is ruined. So I don't know. There's, there's a few reasons why I personally do not participate in that lifestyle, but that's one of them. I think at a swingers party, it's kind of like an assumption of risk defense in a tort case. It's why you can't sue somebody for tackling you on a football field. It's like when you, when you put on the uniform and you go out there, you're assuming you're going to get tackled. So if you go in there and you put your watch in that bottle or that bowl, you're assuming you're going to get tackled. Well, eventually all the watches get taken and we discover that Sandy never actually put his watch in the bowl. And it was in his pants the whole time, as Kirsten uh, wanted to point out. So uh, I guess they're over their rut now magically because of that. I don't know. That was such a sweet and charming moment. Um, I guess to rewind a little bit, eventually the party gets out of control. Um, some some girl rolls up that Haley's afraid of that she owes the $3,000 to. Finally, uh, Seth and Ryan are free, and Ryan just books it to the Four Seasons. They shut the party down in eight minutes because Ryan goes, "There's thirty nine. I have thirty nine minutes to get to this girl." Haley says, "You got to shut this party down." Next scene is the party shut down. They're in the dark. She goes, "What'd you do?" We called the cops. We hit the power. Everyone has gone. There's not. There's they're the only three people left in the house. And then Ryan goes, "Now I have thirty one minutes to get there." I'm like, that all that took eight minutes. It's impressive. I, uh, fun fact, did you know that a rut is also the name of the mating season for certain mammals? So I guess you could argue that maybe Kirsten and Sandy were in a rut. Well, that's been a good episode. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so let's finish up our Oliver stuff because I have a note that makes me so mad. And it's that the, the, his body movements, as you know, they're counting down to midnight. And Marissa keeps nervously looking at the door, you know, wanting to get someone, hoping that Ryan's going to walk back in. He doesn't walk in. He doesn't walk in. And so Oliver, as they're counting down from 10, like walks in front of her, faces her and like prepares himself to, to kiss her. Yeah, I said Oliver's making a move. Anno- like liter- like a literal move. I hated yeah, that so totally much. Yeah, he was totally making a move. But um, while that's going on, so of course Ryan rushes in at the last second. He says, I love you. She says, thank you, which is an amazing callback. They kiss. Oliver is alone with nothing to kiss but his own sweaty upper lip. His own mojitos. Virgin and mojitos. Covered in mojito juice. And then um, Sandy and Kirsten... <laughs> I'll finally make it home. They're not sated. We don't know if they made it to McDonald's or not. Maybe they are sated. So they arrive back. They see the mess. But there are two amazing callbacks in this episode that I don't know if you all uh, discovered. But they're both callbacks from lines of dialogue in episode one, which was also written by Josh Schwartz. So the first one is when Sandy opens up his bedroom door and sees the people having the threesome in the bed, he said, I should really learn to knock, which is a callback from something Seth said in episode one, whenever he walked in on a three-way. And then there's another callback that Anna says. Um, Anna says, refers to something as an unbeatable combination which is also a callback from Seth when he and Ryan were playing video games. And I just, I love, I love all of these callbacks so much. That's why I love Josh Schwartz. Um, so Ryan is is running up the stairs. He There is sweat pouring from his head. He finally makes it to the party right at the stroke of midnight. And they have this perfect sexy kiss to the bow, 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 Ryan. Would you like to tell everyone the music moment of the episode? Dice by Finley Quay and William Orbit. Another, like two more people. I literally don't know one other song they've ever done. I know this song. I know this song from this episode and from the OC mixtape, but it's another song just like the Paint the Silence that I've taken with me into my life and it's been there for me in parts of my life and I fucking love this song. It's like a top 10 song all time for me. Um, that's why, that's part of the reason I love this episode so much is because of that song, 
that scene with Ryan, to me, that's the most iconic scene, in my opinion. When I think of the OC, I think of Ryan running to the party with Marissa. I think of the making out with the glitter of the confetti falling down. Uh, the other thing that I think that we all love so much about this episode is that you get to see some character development with Ryan. You know, he starts the episode very emotionally repressed. You know, he's, he can't really say, I love you. He's kind of questioning himself. Why can't I say I love you? And he's in the um, pool house with Seth kind of still thinking about it, still kind of talking about it. And then he realizes like, wow, I do love this girl. So he runs up there and he says it. And I love her return. He he finally says, I love you to her. And she just goes, thank you. Like a nice little callback to the beginning of the episode. So I thought that was pretty cute. Schwartz is my favorite writer on this show. But the real the real twist of the ending on this episode is that we find out that when Anna left the party, she left, she left Summer with Alan from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um... She went to the Cohen's house. She made she made the move to go to the Cohen's house right before midnight, see Seth taking out the trash, because that's what you do on New Year's Eve. Um, because they're cleaning up from Haley's party, I guess. And uh they end up they end up making out in Seth's room. So like Seth is I I think we're led to believe that from this point on, everything's kind of in a good place. Yep. Ryan and Marissa seem like they're in a good place, Sandy and Kirsten seem like they're in a good place, and now Seth is with Anna for now. Um the only person's kind of left out is is uh, Summer, I guess. And we still don't know where Luke is. We don't know. Missed opportunity. So yeah, I love the holidays. Great episode. My favorite. My favorite episode of of uh, all time. Also, I just want to give a quick shout out to Jem. Just a ride. Dropkick Murphys. Walk away. The Alkaline Trio. We've had enough. Yes. And the and the remix of Destiny by Zero Seven. All would have been songs of the episode if they were in other episodes because they're all fucking great. I love that Alkaline Trio song so much. Shout out to Matt Skiba. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think this episode is also nice because it is very self-contained. You don't have to know a lot about this series to enjoy this episode for what it is. So if you're ever with someone and they are kind of interested in the OC, like this is a great episode to watch with them and get them um, excited about watching the series. So, yeah. Yeah. But that I think that's about it. I just think, you know, this has been really fun. I love talking about the OC, as I said last week. I love these two episodes. I love the holidays. And um, I want to say uh, a special thank you and a special uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to those of you who have left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as of when we're yeah, recording we got, this. We got like 27 or 28 or something. Yeah, we're at 27 ratings and we have four reviews and we got our first one star rating. And so I love it because democracy <laughs> is, a, uh, is an ever moving river. We've decided it's definitely one of Chelsea's ex-boyfriends. Yeah, so if you're wondering yeah. what to do, um, Ryan will give you some details in a second, but we're not going to have an episode next week. Um, and if you're looking for something to do on your Wednesday, um, go ahead and give us a rating. Give us a review. Um, it'd mean a lot to us. That's all I want for Christmas uh, for um, you know all eight days of presents in my one day of big presents. Um, but thank you to those of you who have done it. Honestly, episode four of Keeping Up With The Coens was like two hours long. So you've got plenty of content. Yeah. So we we're, we did these two episodes. We're basically, we're splitting the Seth disc, which is disc four. We're taking next week off because of the holidays. We'll be back the first week of January with part two of the Seth disc. We'll be doing those two episodes, which I would be uh, episodes 15 and 16 of season one. We're chugging along, aren't we? We really are. If you want to find us online, you can find us at uh, at Cohen's Pod, C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D on Instagram or email us at Cohen'sPod at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's it. Happy holidays, guys. I'm glad we did this. This is fun. This has been like a fun couple of weeks that we've been recording and doing these shows. I'm glad I'm glad that this is what we do now. Me too. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Mm-hmm.